0: This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. Elise got the scrapbooks out the other day and we took a walk down memory lane. Uh, She was looking for an older picture of us together. I think she wanted to post it to Facebook for my birthday. We laughed, we chuckled. In essence, we're looking at pictures from way time ago when we were, I was maybe thinner, had a little bit more hair on top, but it was a joy. And we were able to look back and say, God, thank you for all that you've done in all of our years together, from dating to engaged Through all these years of marriage, God, we look back at the past and we say, thank you. And we took these scrapbooks, and Elise had had done more than just taking the pictures. She took the pictures and she organized them so that there was a structure and there was purpose. And and there were frames around certain pictures, and there were little pop-ups, and there were uh, little stickers so that you could see through. And it just fostered joy and excitement. We all have scrapbooks, don't we? Maybe not the books that you open up, but we all have scrapbooks. Some of us share the pictures of the past. Some of us keep those pictures, those scrapbooks, well boxed up, well put away. There's nothing to see here. There's nothing to sing about. There's nothing to talk about. There's nothing to praise. With that idea, let me review something that I said last week. We as humanity are given a mandate, a hallelujah mandate to turn up creation's ability to vocalize God's glory. That's why we're here. That's our purpose. It is our purpose to siphon and direct praise back to God. That word hallelujah is often used as a word to praise God, but in reality it's a command to praise. To hear hallelujah is to be told to praise God. Our task as God's images and icons is to take praise and direct it back to God, to grab the attention of the world and and to foster creation's ability to vocalize the glory of God's goodness. At the end of the book of Psalms are five psalms called the Hallelujah Psalms, 146, 47, 48, 49, and 50. And they're all called that because they all begin with And end with that command, hallelujah, praise God. They go together like a doxology, uh, a punctuation point of praise, tying up this whole big, beautiful book of of celebration in the glory of God. Last week, we looked at 146. If you weren't able to be with us, you can go back and listen at whoishouseontherock.com. But in that psalm, we were taught to shine a light on God's faithfulness, that God is helpful, that God brings hope to those who seek after him that when we praise when we gather together corporately we encourage others to be faithful towards God and in our praise we also confront all of our false idols and our mixed messages my challenge to us last week was very simple hey let's prioritize corporate praise Let's prioritize gathering together to worship God and to turn a light up upon his goodness and his faithfulness. I also encouraged us, hey, why don't we read Psalm 146 every single day, just learning to get the words of praise into our heart and mind. Repent from our false idols. Repent from the mixed messages where we say one thing, but people were to watch us, they would really see us glorifying something else. Well, today we're gonna move forward from 146 to 147. And it's long. There's 20 verses, it's twice as long as 146. And I don't want us to get lost. So what we're gonna do is, I wanna just break it down for you real quick before we read through it together. Psalm 147 comes in three sets, if you will. There's three main chunks. And within each chunk, it follows pretty much the same pattern. The beginning of this set is a call to praise and then right after that there's a call to reflect on an aspect of God and then there's a call to action. So there's three sections and in each section, three parts, a call to praise, a call to reflect and a call to action. So what that means is I'm going to have us dancing all over the place as we look at this beautiful Psalm together, but why don't we do this? Why don't we read it together? I'm going to start. Psalm 147, verses 1 through 20. Read with me. Praise the Lord, for it is good to sing praises to our God, for it is pleasant, and a song of praise is fitting. The Lord builds up Jerusalem, he gathers the outcasts of Israel, he heals the brokenhearted, and binds up their wounds. He determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. The Lord lifts up the humble. He casts down to the wicked to the ground. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. He covers the heavens with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He makes grass grow on the hills. He gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens their cry. His delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. But the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him, in those who hope in his steadfast love. Praise the Lord, O Jerusalem. Praise your God, O Zion. For he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of the wheat. He sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool, he scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statutes and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. Praise the Lord. I hope you were able to read along and follow along. There was a lot, wasn't there? And that's why I said, hey, there's these three sections. How does this psalm help us shine a light on God? That's the question for today. How does this psalm specifically help us shine a light on God? It invites us to do a unique type of praise. And the key is in verse 7. In verse 7, it says this. Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Make melody to our God on the lyre. We're familiar with thanksgiving. We have a holiday for thanksgiving. It's one of my favorite holidays. But truth is, not everyone can give thanks. Thanksgiving requires a specific task. We can all praise God, but not everyone can give thanks. In your notes, you write this down with me thankful hearts met God with their past thankful hearts met God with their past think about that Thanksgiving is rooted in reflection to say thank you means I've looked back and I recognize your goodness I remember teaching my sons, whenever they would receive something, don't forget to say thank you. Say thank you. That means I want you to take what you've received and look back. Who did you receive it from? Look back into your past. How did you get it? You didn't always have it. Thanksgiving requires reflection. Thanksgiving has this time component that's built into it. And so here's our struggle, right? Many of us don't reflect on our past. We prefer to leave it in the past. Well, let, let's not bring that up again. Uh, let's leave it in the past. Let's just move on. Let's just move on. just—we All we need to do is just move on. That scrapbook stays shut. And here's the error. George Santayana said this, those who cannot remember the past are doomed to repeat it. Those who cannot remember the past Put it back together again, to place it in its right order and its right context. Those who can't do correctly with the past are doomed to repeat it. Your past becomes your future. God was always calling Israel back to its past. God never said, oh yeah, Egypt, just get over it. Egypt, we don't need to look back at that. We don't need to remember that. God was always calling Israel to look back on its past, to remember it, to put it in purpose, in context. Jesus told us all the time, whenever you get together, remember me. Look back on the past. That's what enables thanksgiving. But if we've not met God in our past... And we've not learned thankfulness. That means we're likely stuck in the past. Those are the two options. We have a a heart that's thankful. and We have a heart that's stuck in the past. And we are all one of these two. Psalm 147 contrasts those two hearts. One of those hearts is yours. Which one? Well, let's contrast them in your notes. We're going to contrast a thankful heart versus a stuck heart. A thankful heart versus a stuck heart. So what we need to do is we need to understand this psalm in its context, okay? So this psalm was composed after um, Israel's exile, after they came back out of captivity, out of they came back out of Assyria, after they came back out of Babylon, okay? Uh, Israel had not followed after God, not Uh, pursued God's word, God's command, a relationship with God. They were warned and warned and warned again. Hey, follow God, follow God, follow God, walk in relationship with God. Prophets warned, prophets warned, prophets warned. They didn't listen. They chased after their idols. They chased after their own way, and they were cast off into exile and cast off into captivity. For 70 years, the people in Jerusalem and surrounding Jerusalem or hauled off, and they they stayed enslavement in Babylon. And then, eventually, they were allowed to come back. And in the process of coming back through leaders like Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Ezra and others... the the city was rebuilt the walls were rebuilt the temple was rebuilt and people were able to gather again and once again jerusalem became a place of celebration and thanksgiving and this psalm most likely was written for one of those dedications one of those celebrations okay that story that background is really going to help us process this psalm together okay as we think about a thankful heart versus a stuck heart, have the images of two cities in your mind. One of them is a secure city, and one of them is a sacked city. This psalm is a tale of two cities. The secure city, it has been restored, the sacked city lies in waste and ruin, just like a heart. Your heart. A thankful heart is a secure heart. Like that city, it's been put back together again. The breaches have been restored. The walls have been repaired. Once again, it's a place for welcoming others. Once again, it's a place open for worship. It's filled with songs of thanksgiving. Look what God has done. This is what flows out of that heart. Like the city that's been repaired. You can hear that all throughout the psalm. I mean, you just kind of work through it. God builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcast. He heals. He binds. He strengthens the gates. And there are peaceful borders. It's filled with food. This whole psalm describes a city secure and restored. Like the thankful heart that's been secured and restored. But contrast that with a sacked city. A sacked heart. One that's still laid waste. It still lives in the effects of the past. There's still holes in the wall. Let your imagination just run. The doors have been torn down. There's no thanksgiving that's rising up out of it. Worship there is an act of obedience. It's not an act of celebration. Which heart is yours like? Look at your heart. Which, which, is, is it a, a secure city that's joyful and celebrating all that God has done? that's been repaired, renewed, filled full of joy, or is it a sacked city, one that's been laid waste in the past? The world pummeled it. Your own choices laid it in ruins. Which heart is yours? Not sure? Well, let's keep going. I think we might be able to help you out. A thankful heart lives in community. A stuck heart lives in isolation. Write that down in your notes. Underneath thankful heart word secure. Let's write down the word community. And underneath a sacked heart, one that's you know been sacked and it's not secure, write down the word isolation. Community versus isolation. It says in 147 verse 2, the Lord builds up Jerusalem. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. Through the captivity, God's people have been scattered everywhere. They were hauled off and chains to, to lands that they did not know and, and places they were not familiar with. But God had returned them. God had brought them back out of captivity, out of exile, back to Jerusalem. And they're secure within the city again. Once again, they are together. They're thankful. A heart that's not met God in their past is unable to identify friend from foe. Think about this for a second. If you have a sacked city, an unsecure city, the walls still have giant breaches where opposing armies had had crashed through and the stones had tumbled down. That type of city, that type of heart isn't able to identify who's a friend and who's a foe, which means everybody is the enemy. That type of heart treats everybody like it's the enemy. Everybody is a threat. Everybody is kept out. And as a result, that heart dwells in isolation. I remember when my parents brought home a dog a long, long time ago, rescued it from a not best situation. It took a long time for that dog to recognize who was friend and family. A thankful heart exists in community, celebrates with others, sings with others, recognizes others, focuses on others, lives with others. A heart that is not processed the past and, and met God in the past will live in isolation and dwell in isolation. And maybe that's familiar. You know that you, you have a habit of pushing people away and keeping yourself safe. Because the walls have been breached and nothing has been put back together again. You don't know who's friend. You don't know who's foe. Let's keep comparing. A thankful heart is healed. Stuck hearts are hurting. The thankful heart is healed. A stuck heart, it's still hurting. In Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the broken heart hearted, binds up their wounds, like Jerusalem was healed and bound up again. This should make the most sense to us. As we start to think about cities. as we start to think about our own heart, now Jackson walked in um, and said, Dad, I burned myself. He had reached down to grab a pizza, and in the process of getting a pizza out of the oven, had burned his arm on the, on the hot rack. I'm sure you've all done it. It still hurt. It had just happened. The moment was in the past, but he was still suffering the pain from it. I'd run cold water on it. And I said, yeah, yeah, I got one of those too. Maybe you can see that or not see it. There's a little mark there because when we were camping last month, I'd done, in essence, the exact same thing. I was in the process of getting some food out of the fire and my, my forearm rubbed against the fire ring and the grate and it left a mark. The difference between Jack's experience and my experience, mine's healed. His was still hurting. Both in the past. You can still see the mark. It's still there. But it doesn't hurt. A healed city. As you looked at the city walls, you might be able to recognize that's a new stone, that's an old stone. That's an old timber, that's a new timber. But there's still form. There's still security there. It's still put back together again. Thankfulness can still rise up out of there. Breaches are still present in that city that's stuck in the past. The heart that's stuck in the past. You touch it, it hurts. And it hurts other people. It pulls back. It cringes. It still aches at the memory of an unrepaired city from the devastation of the past. Thankful heart has been healed because it let God in. He's stuck in the past. It still hurts. Wounds are still very present. Thankful hearts are humble. Stuck hearts power through. Thankful hearts are humble. Stuck hearts power through. You write that down. Let me read. This is uh, verse 6 and verses 10 through 11. The Lord lifts up the humble he casts the wicked to the ground verse 10 his delight is not in the strength of the horse nor his pleasure in the legs of a man but the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear him those who hope in his steadfast love you can see the contrast right here's the contrast between those two types of people again the humble are picked up they recognize God they fear God they see God in the past and the present they have placed themselves themselves underneath God's authority and God's rule. The wicked are cast down. Okay, that word cast is really key. Okay, When an animal like a sheep or a horse is cast, it's stuck on the ground. It can't get back up again. It's very dangerous for those types of animals because it can lead to death. But to be cast means to be stuck. I'm stuck on the ground. The wicked person makes choices. The criminal person makes choices. God leaves them stuck on the ground they harm others, they make self-centered choices, criminal choices. They power through. What do you mean, Paul? Okay, they force their way through. They're, they're in survival mode. If you look at verses 10, his delight is not in the strength of the horse, nor his pleasure in the legs of a man. His okay, strength of horse is talking about the, the cavalry, uh, the strength, the legs of a man. is talking about the infantry. That's dependence upon force, dependence upon power. God doesn't delight in people that depend upon power to force their will through. But a heart that's stuck in the past is in survival mode. All it knows is power because it's not resting in the goodness of God. It's not resting humbly underneath what God does and then letting healing to come in. It has to survive. The walls are wide open and the doors are torn down. Which heart are you? Are you in survival mode? It says, going on in those verses, that the thankful heart hopes in God's steadfast love. Hope. So that's a future-oriented word. It's looking forward, and that gives us our last contrast between a thankful and a stuck heart. A thankful heart has future peace. A stuck heart has future problems. A thankful heart has future peace. A stuck heart, future problems. In 13 and 14, he strengthens the bars of your gates. He blesses your children within you. He makes peace in your borders. He fills you with the finest of wheat. So think about those two cities again. One is secure and, and rebuilt and thriving with life. And the other, it's still in shambles. It's breached. It's open to constant threat. And within those two cities, we could see two different futures. The doors, the, the bars of the gates are able to welcome guests and welcome life while still protecting from true threats. Children within that city are blessed. There's a generational hope that looks forward to the future. There's peace in the borders with surrounding countries. It's filled with provision. It's filled with wheat. It's not starving. It's overflowing with God's blessing. Contrast with that with the other heart, the other city. It's sacked. That heart will not experience blessings. It's still wounded and hurting and continues to hurt and resist God's blessing and resists God's hand. So the past will become the future. The problems of the past become the problems in the future. Which heart are you? Maybe you live in a place of thanksgiving. You've met God in your past. You see Him working, and it rises up to a song. Or maybe you say this morning, Paul, I think I'm stuck. All right, how do we go from stuck to thankful? There's a few helps inside of this psalm. Well, let's look at them together. Help number one, reflection on God's word. Reflection on God's word. In Psalm 147, 15 through 20, he sends out his command to the earth. His word runs swiftly. He gives snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He hurls down his crystals of ice like crumbs. Who can stand before his cold? He sends out his word and melts them. He makes his wind blow and the waters flow. He declares his word to Jacob, his statues and rules to Israel. He has not dealt thus with any other nation. They do not know his rules. If I wanted to really infuriate and isolate my audience right now, uh, I might start talking about border security in the United States. But I don't want to infuriate them, so I'm not going to bring up border security in the United States. Israel's security, and that of others who wanted to come to Israel, came from living within God's word. God's word established the border and the space in what was the land of promise. You take the promise out, land's gone. That means going from stuck to thankful. I need to begin to reflect upon the Word of God. Okay, it it orders chaos. If you just look at those verses, you see God's Word ordering the chaos. It it orders the weather. God's Word, this is when it's going to snow, and this is when it's going to melt, and this is when the wind blows, and and this is when it's going to rain. That's what God's Word does. All throughout Scripture, you see God's Word ordering chaos. God's word highlights promise. If you go back up to the beginning of the psalm and look at verse 4 and verse 5, it fits, but it also doesn't quite really fit. It, it stands out a little bit as you read through the psalm and again and again, and you're like, what is up with that? that that's uh, different how it feels and flows. That's because it comes from someplace else. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40. It comes from what's called the scrolls of comfort. And a very important part in, in, in the book of Isaiah. First part of the book is all about judgment against Israel and judgment against nations, God confronting pride. God hates pride. God deals with pride in Israel. God deals with pride in the nations. And kind of gives the backstory and the proclamation of why the exile is going to happen. But then when you get to chapter 40 moving forward, it's all about God putting things back together again, and God restoring, God giving comfort to God's people. That's the context of these verses in 4 and 5. They come out of Isaiah chapter 40, where it talks about God numbering and naming the stars, and, and great is our Lord, and abundant in power, understanding is beyond measure. And as I begin to reflect on God's word, what I start to do is I start to notice God's promise and God's working and God's commitment and God's devotion. And so the poet takes those words from Isaiah and he brings them forward into Psalm 147 at this dedication moment. Hey, remember when we were wandering and we were in isolation? And remember when we were in exile and captivity? Remember the promised words in Isaiah? Comfort, comfort, O my people. He numbers and names the stars. He takes that and he sticks it right in the psalm to rehighlight the promises of God. God said he would bring us back. God said he would put the pieces back together again. Further reflecting on God's word, what we see is it's a gift. At the very end of the psalm, he says, hey, no one else has God's words. You've received God's words because they're a gift. They put me back together again. So I need to reflect on God's word. I need to think on it and memorize it and meditate on it. It enables me to take the past and put it into perspective. My challenge to you this week, read Psalm 147 every single day this week. Just soak in it. Walk with it. Hang out with it. Reflect on it. Read it and read it again. Read it and read it again. And and see what God does in your heart through those words. As it brings order to the chaos, as it as it gives you perspective and promise, as you walk in that gift. Here's another help within this psalm: is a reflection on nature. Reflecting on nature, you write that down in verses eight and nine. He covers the heavens with clouds; he prepares rain for the earth; he makes grass grow on the hills; he gives to the beasts their food and to the young ravens that cry. He says, look around. Look at what God does. Look at what he has done. Look at his creation. Look how God takes care of nature. Seeing God work in nature helps me see God working in me. I'm a part of it. I'm not separate from the creation. I'm a part of the creation. And the poet says, hey, see how the rains fall? See how the grass is green? See how he feeds? See how he cares? God is the one who has done it. And humility sees it. God's behind all things. I mean, in many respects, you could go through that psalm again, and you could see walls being built and grass being green, and and, and one heart, a stock heart, won't see God behind all of it. Because they're so self-centered and they're so self-consumed and so much in survival mode. But a heart that's chosen to see God in the past sees God in all of those areas. No, it's God who healed the city. It's God who brought the people back. It's God who makes the grass green. It's God who moves us through the seasons. The heart then begins to change. As I reflect on God's word, as I reflect on... On nature. as I see myself in God's word, as I see myself in God's care for nature, I begin to see God in my past. I reflect upon His promises and His care. And as I see God in the past, as I meet God in all that He's done, praise rises up as a thankful song. It becomes thanksgiving. God, you did that. God, you've done that. Oh, it hurt and it was hard. God, you were there. As you open and look at pages in the scrapbook, you see thanksgiving. God's hand moves through your life. This is the gospel. This is what Jesus is all about. Jesus taking the past and redeeming it and sending us forward into a future of blessing. He heals the past. He restores and He returns. Hearts can be one again. His opening sermon, this is Luke chapter 4. This is how Jesus opened His public ministry. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. The recovering of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you had to guess what part of Isaiah that passage came from. You might guess. Yep. From the words of comfort. God bringing people back through His servant, and as I do that, as I let God meet me in my past, it wells up in thanksgiving and praise becomes. Verse one: It's good to sing, pleasant, fitting. If you translate that a little bit differently, you see, you see, it's it's good, it's sweet, it's lovely. When I gather to sing with my brothers and sisters because I make corporate worship a priority, I meet God in my past and it wells up with a a good song, a fitting song, a sweet song, because I'm able to see God in the past and say thank you. Which heart are you? Are you able to give thanks? Are you stuck? Many say that they miss September 12th. September 12th being the day after September 11th, 9-11. As that that season that we entered into as a nation, when we sang God Bless America, when we put up the flags, when churches were full and prayer services were stacked, when we noticed that the walls had been breached and the city had been laid waste, And a different spirit moved into the country. Many people say they miss September 12th. But even in the midst of everything that happened on September 11th, we still needed to work through the rubble, didn't we? We still needed to work through the breaches in the walls, in the buildings. So too, with your past. We still need to work through it. Looking back is not a bad thing. As long as you look back and see what God has done. The past isn't a problem. It becomes a platform for praise. Praise God with thanksgiving. Thank you for sharing your time with us and we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can, again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our HOPE team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came, and that's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life, and a wise man, a wise woman, builds their life on Jesus' instructions.